Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How beautiful. All right. Today is um, the second Sunday of Advent, which you probably know. And I'm really excited about this series. Um, we are in the midst of the first of the four things we're going to talk about. So the very first one in the upper left is worship fully. Next week, we'll talk about spending less. And everybody said amen, hallelujah. And then uh, we'll talk about giving more. And those things actually are compatible, believe it or not. And then loving all. And so we're really excited about this series that we're getting ready to, that we're walking into together. Uh, in, in some ways, this all kind of came together. And like many of us have these moments, right? When we we're um, maybe out at Christmas for whatever reason. Maybe you had to drive by the mall. I don't know. And you have these moments where you just say, what are we doing? Has anybody had that moment before? Raise your hand if you had that moment. Look around. You're not alone, right? We've had. I remember one time really specifically when I had this really kind of clarity about this question. So I was on staff at a church in Maryland, uh, just north of Baltimore, and it was Christmas Eve. We had just finished our Christmas Eve service. And we loaded all four of our kids into our, in our beautiful Volkswagen van. And we were getting ready to drive the 12, 13 hours to Michigan to see my parents. And then we would drive four and a half hours to Carol's parents in Indiana and the family. We'd spend some time there. And then we'd drive the 12 and 13 hours back. And so we were getting ready for this long journey. And if you have young kids, you've probably tried this before. But we used to do this thing when our kids were really young where we'd throw them in the van and then we'd drive through the night because they would sleep the whole time and then you could get there actually faster um, so that you wouldn't have to stop. Like if you have young kids, you know you have to stop all the time to go to the bathroom and I gotta eat, I'm hungry, whatever, right? So you know how it works. So, so we loaded our kids up. It was right after Christmas Eve service. Carol will remember this. It was snowing like blizzard almost. Like it was really snowing and people are like, don't leave. And I'm like, I'm from Michigan. I'm not afraid of the snow. So, so we went, so we're on this trip. And we had stopped to get gas, and it was really, you know, snowy and bad out. And, and I remember <laughs> I was pumping gas. I'm not proud of this, but this is true. So I was pumping gas. I'd finished. I put the thing back on the pump, and I was walking back just to get in my car, and I hit this slick spot. And my feet went out from under me, and I said a really bad word really loudly. Now, I'm not, <laughs> not proud of this. I'm not proud of this. I feel your judgment. Don't, like you haven't. Okay, so I, and... And it was one of those moments where when I stood back up, you know, I was like, God, please help my kids not to have heard what I just said. And, uh, and they were kind of staring at me. I remember Meg in particular was looking at me. And I wasn't sure because I fell or because I said, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I, I hope therapy's going well, Meg. But anyway, so, so then I get back in the van and we're driving. Everybody had fallen asleep at this point. And, and I have these kind of two streams of thought going in my, in my brain at the same time. Believe it or not, I am capable of thinking two things Sort of at once. So anyway, so one of them was this, I was reflecting on this service that we had just walked out of, this Christmas Eve service, this beautiful service where we really celebrated what it means for this season, that Jesus has come and what that means. And so I had this kind of movement moving in my heart, this really kind of wonderful kind of sense. And then the other side of my brain was going down the list of things. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, did I pack everything that I needed? Did I bring all the gifts? Oh yeah, the gifts. Did I buy gifts for everybody? 
everybody. So I'm going down the list of all the family, grandparents, parents, sisters, brothers, nephews, nieces. Oh, wait, did I get enough for everybody? And then I'm thinking about the gifts I got. Is it, oh, I'm probably gonna have to stop and get a gift card. And you know, all those things that some of you right now are already checked out and back to your list. So stop that, okay? <laughs> but, <clears throat> but, but I'm in this moment and then these two streams of thought collide. And I just thought, what are we doing? If, I, if this is a season that I'm supposed to be celebrating Jesus Christ, the one who is good news, the one who has come to bring wholeness to brokenness, the one who is the prince of peace, the one who brings light to the world, the one who is loving, then why am I, why are we all so busy and stressed and anxious the opposite of peace, right? So, so building debt, so living in darkness, so unloving, right? What are we doing, right? And so then I just asked this question, and maybe this is the question for us today. What are we worshiping? So I started thinking a little bit about this as we were talking about this series. And so what is worship? By definition, worship is extravagant respect or adoration, Extravagant respect or adoration. So the question is, what gets your worship? And I wonder today, if you can just think for a minute, what gets your worship? And so you might say, well, how do I know really what I worship? So one of the ways to think about it is, what gets the best of what you have to offer? Maybe not the most, but what gets the best of you? Like the best of your time, the best of your resources, the best that you can give. What gets the best? Because usually those are the things that we worship are the things we usually give those things the best of us our time, our money, our resources. So just, just maybe as we walk through this today, just maybe evaluate a little bit. What gets my time, my money, my resources, my stuff? So what are we worshiping? Um, I want to invite you to turn with me in the Bible. If you have a real Bible, you can do that. If you have a phone, you can do that. It'll be on the screen too, but I think there's something really valuable about reading it yourself. So uh, Matthew chapter two, we're going to look at a couple different texts Um, that just tell the story of Jesus' birth. These aren't gonna be revelatory. You guys have read these before, and I'm sure you've seen some of these things, but I wanna bring these up um, and just talk a little bit about what's happening here. So we're gonna start in uh, Matthew chapter two, and I just wanna point out a couple things. Again, you've probably noticed some of these before, but so if you wanna read along with me, that'd be great. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So the story goes that they're talking to Herod, and the story goes that, if you don't know, Herod uh, was the king of the Jews, but he basically had no right to be the king of the Jews. He had cheated, lied, you know, used military might, financial manipulation, political manipulation, everything that he could to get this particular kingdom. And so now he hears that somebody else maybe is supposed to be king, and so he doesn't really want this. So he says to the wise men, he says, you know, I want to know where he is too. If you find him, tell me so I can worship him. But really wanted to kill him. So then after this kind of interaction, this interview with the wise men, they went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to this little town called Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, listen to this response, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother. 
Then they opened their treasure chest, gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They, bowed, they worshiped him. These wise men from the east, they weren't, even, they weren't even of Jesus' clan. They weren't even from Jesus' area. They apparently knew there was some big deal about who Jesus was, and they worshiped him. Another passage, if you want to flip over uh, to the next, to Luke chapter one, Luke tells this account of Jesus, and in particular, it focuses in on this young teenage girl who is visited by an angel, the angel Gabriel, and she's told, you're going to have a baby. And she's a little confused, she asks a few questions, and then she basically says this, she says, May it be to me as you have said. Basically, I'm in. Whatever that is, I'm in. And so then she visits with her cousin who's also pregnant, and then then she sings this song of response. And so I just want to read just a little bit of this from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. Mary responded. This is a response to what God's doing physically in her in this pregnancy. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And she goes on to sing about what God's gonna do in the, in the world through this son, Jesus. So her response before Jesus is even born, carrying this baby, is to worship. So if you flip over just a, a chapter to chapter two, the very beginning of chapter two of, chapter, of, of the book of Luke, It tells us what happened. So starting in verse six, and while they were there, talking about Mary and Joseph, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger, so they responded. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this Child, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks and watched their response, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So here we have character after character. You have these men from the east. You have Mary, the mother of Jesus. You have angels from heaven. You have lowly shepherds. And what is their response when they encounter Jesus? It's to worship him. It's to worship him. And so, you know, as we think a little bit about our particular culture, all our particular time, what are we missing? Right? Like, in our advanced, technologically driven, clearly way evolved society, this is what we've done to Christmas, right? This kind of thing, right? (laughs) 
This is clearly worshiping, no, maybe something, yeah, right? So again, what are we missing? What are we worshiping? What are we worshiping? Can I say to you today, for all we know about Jesus, and many of us in here know a whole bunch about Jesus, I doubt any of you were like, wait, Mary is the mother of Jesus? I didn't know that, right? We've heard the story before. Right, you know, some of us in here know all kinds of things about Jesus and Christianity and church and all those things. But yet, despite that, many of us, I think if we're honest, find ourselves in this place where maybe we've pacified Jesus. See what I did there? I don't want you to catch that. We've pacified this Jesus. We've made him into something that he's not by just kind of forcing him into this thing where we've settled and made Jesus just something maybe we come and worship on a Sunday morning, once a week, make ourselves feel better about all the other stuff we've done the week. Or maybe sometimes we've, we've kind of made Jesus to be more like us than we'd really like to admit. And we just think of Jesus as somebody like us. Like he likes the things we like and he wants the same things that I want, obviously. He clearly wants the Steelers to win the football game today because I do. Or, you know, we've, we've kind of made Jesus into these, right, into this kind of thing that's, but maybe, maybe just today, stay with me for a second here, maybe just today, I wonder if you could just pause all of that. And I just want to ask you this question, what if what the Bible says about Jesus is actually true? What if it's, just, just for a minute, just entertain with me, what if what the Bible says about Jesus is actually true? And then Jesus is worthy of our worship the kind of person that is. See, what real worship is, true worship, is response. It's not something, it's, it comes free of expectation. I don't worship somebody, I don't worship something out of, because I want to get something back. God's not a God who, who bargains. When I was younger in my faith, I, I thought God was a God who bargains. So if I just tithe this much or did this much or was nice enough this way, then God would do these things for me. But God doesn't work that way. And what he wants is just us to respond in worship because of who he is. Now, of course, people worship all kinds of things. We know this, right? So people worship teams. I mentioned that earlier, right? So it's the Steelers, the Packers. I see a, a Packers shirt. Uh, Falcons, whatever. Vikings, I see that, I see that. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kentucky basketball, do people worship? If you've been to Rupp Arena to a men's college basketball game, then you know there's worship there, happening there, okay? People worship all kinds of stuff. People worship stuff, right? I know a guy, literally, he has a lot of stuff, and he built a brand new house, and in his house, he has a little place where he eats breakfast every morning, and he built a window into his garage from where he eats breakfast every day so that he can look out at all his stuff, his cars, his boats, his stuff, and he just loves to get new stuff and put new stuff in there so he can look at his stuff, right? And people, of course, worship money, People worship sexuality in all kinds of ways. We know this. We see this all the time. People make objects out of one, one another and use them up. And then when they're done, they cast them to the side. People worship their past. You know people who live in the good old days all the time and they worship that? Or maybe sometimes there's people who, maybe if we're honest, they've had some really terrible things happen happen to them and they can't seem to move past that. Maybe they don't want to move past that because their identity is grounded in that. So they worship their past. There are people who worship groups of people, that people maybe you want to be in with, people you want to have uh, to accept you in some way. And so we worship them. 
of course, people worship other people, celebrities, whatever else. We, are, we live in a culture, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, that worships made up people, right? There are like Harry Potter fan clubs. If you don't know this, Harry Potter's not real. Are you aware of that? Right, so people worship Harry Potter or Doctor Who or whoever. <laughs> don't throw stuff, don't throw stuff, all right. <laughs> so people worship other people. People worship celebrity, people worship power, people worship themselves, right? And a lot of people, the first thing they think about when they wake up in the day and the last thing they think about before they go to bed at night is how do I get what I want? Right? People worship all kinds of things. So let me ask again, what are we worshiping? What are we worshiping? When we start worshiping these other things, can I just say it this way, and I don't know if this illustration will work very well, but it's like this. It's like when we worship those other things, we settle for these little stories and we miss the big story. So maybe it's sort of like this. I'm trying to think of a story that everybody would know and that I, I struggled mightily. But here's what I came up with. Cinderella, I'm pretty sure everybody knows the story of Cinderella. right? If Cinderella would have settled for the first part of the story, which says this, she had a wicked and evil stepmother and stepsisters. And if she would have said, that's it, that's the story, then she would have missed out on something much bigger. And it's like that for many of us. We settle for the story that might be right in front of us and we miss this bigger story, that something bigger is really going on. And can I say this, that if you've heard about Jesus in some way, and you haven't thought to yourself, that is somebody that I want to know, that seems like something worthy of worship, then maybe we just haven't done a good enough job, because you should, in your heart, want to worship who that is. So let me tell you a little bit about who Jesus is to me, if I can do this today. Jesus is almighty, he is authentic, he is amazing, he is beautiful, he is the beginning and he is the end. Scripture tells us that all things are created through him, and for him and by him. Scripture tells us that he is the fullness of all things. In other words, the best that of everything that it's created to be is in Jesus. He is the beginning and then he is worthy of our worship. Jesus is caring, he is compassionate, he is cleansing, he is comforting, he is courageous, he is more conservative than I would like to admit and way more progressive than I would like to admit. If we're honest, anytime we try to put Jesus into a box, we can put him on the left side or the right side, put him into, try to put him into a political party of some kind, then we fundamentally miss the whole thing because he's bigger than all those things. If you read the Gospels, you will find that however conservative you are, he will infuriate you by how progressive he is. And, if, you're, and you, if you continue to read the Gospels, you realize however progressive you might be, he will infuriate you because of how conservative he is. The reality is he operates out of love and he's bigger than all of those things. Jesus is worthy of our worship. He is divine. He is deliverable. He's deliverer. He is dependable. He is empowering. He is extraordinary. He is forgiving. He is freeing. Whatever it is that might be holding on to you, can I tell you that he has come to free you from those things? Some of us are living in these experiences that happened in the past, and maybe we need to forgive those things. Can I tell you, he wants to free you from, those, from that anger, that frustration, those things that hold you back, and wants to invite you into this forgiveness. Maybe for some of us, there's an addiction that we're struggling with, and maybe some of us, it's something we think nobody else knows about. So maybe it's pornography or something else, and we think we can just keep operating in that way. Can I tell you, he's come to free you from that. 
Or maybe it's an addiction that has ruined your life in some way, and it's very public and very well known. He's come to free you from that too. Jesus, say it with me, is worthy of our worship. Amen? He is faithful. He is good. He is generous. He is gracious. He is holy. He is healing. He is inspiring. He is just. He is knowable. Jesus wants you to know him, not just in a know about him kind of way. Jesus wants you to know him in a very relational way. Jesus has come. This is part of what we celebrate here in this season, that Jesus is here so that you can have a relationship with him. He wants to be able to know you and you to know him in ways that are beyond understanding and beyond comprehension. And you're right, sometimes it doesn't make sense, but you know what? You can know in your heart that that is real and that he is there all the time because Jesus is worthy of our worship. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He is kind, he is loving, he is liberating, he is lasting. I don't know if you've thought about this, but we're worshiping Jesus 2,000 years later. Not just out of sentimentality, not just because we think it's a good idea. We're worshiping Jesus because we can have a relationship and know him. He's living and active today. Can I get an amen on that, right? He is around, right? There are lots of people in this room, if you've never experienced this, that would love to tell you their story about how Jesus is working in their life and in their heart. Jesus is, say it with me, worthy of our worship. He is mighty, he is matchless, he is merciful, he is omnipotent, he is omniscient, he is omnipresent, he is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, he is everywhere, Right, scripture tells us there's a, a place in the Psalms where the, writer, the author says, there's nowhere I can go and get away. <laughs> because he understands that not in a stalking kind of way, but in this way that Jesus is pursuing you with a great love, that he wants to be with you and around you all the time, that Jesus is there. Jesus is, worthy, say it with me, worthy of our worship. He is perfect, he is pure, he is prevailing, he is providing, he is righteous, He is renowned, he is real, he is safe, and he is incredibly restless. It is true, there is no place better to be than living in obedient relationship with Jesus Christ. It's wonderful because he will provide for your needs when you need it. But if you think it's just the safe and stagnant and boring kind of life, then you've missed it because Jesus will invite you to do things that you never thought you could do. He will take you places you never thought you would go. He will ask you and you will gladly sacrifice things that you never were sure you could give up. He will, you will walk into situations and you say, how can I love people? Because I don't have anything left. And he will love through you in ways that are beyond your imagination. If we think that Jesus can just be kind of tied up in a little bow and is just here to make us kind of live our mundane, everyday, boring life, then we've missed it. Because Jesus, say it with me, is worthy of our worship. He is sacred, he is salvation. He is sanctified, he is sincere, he is spotless, he is strong, he is supreme, he is teacher, he is trustworthy. Time and time again, Jesus has proven himself faithful. I don't know if you've thought about this before. I don't know if you've experienced this. But as you test his promises, you will find them to be true. And some of you in here, maybe you're living in a lot of question and a lot of doubt. Can I say to you, just try it and you will find him to be faithful because Jesus, say it with me, is worthy of our worship. He is true, he is unfailing, he's unequaled, he is victorious, he is wise, he is wonderful. Say it with me, Jesus is worthy of our worship. Jesus is good news. 
He loves you so much. He loves us so much that he gave up everything to come to us. And I want you to catch catch this because this is one of the unique parts of this story that no other religion offers. That Jesus came to us, why? Not because we did anything, not because we sacrificed the right way, not because we sang the right song, did the right handshake, went to church enough times. Jesus came to us because he loves us. And he has journeyed, he came to, to walk where you, like you walk, to walk through life like you do, so that you would understand how much he cares and loves for you, loves you. And so part of what we worship in this time is a God who comes. And he understands those things not from afar, but he understands them from right where you are. He understands brokenness, he understands pain, he understands suffering, he understands your anxiety because he's lived it and because he's here. And Jesus promises to be with you. In fact, the very last thing he said to his disciples before he he left them and ascended into heaven was, I will be with you. This is the promise over and over and over again in scripture. I will be with you. And what he wants more than anything else, and maybe this is where you are in this season as we think about what we worship, is to know him. He wants you to know him in a way that you can worship him, that you can experience him right there with you. He's the God who takes broken things, broken relationships, broken situations, broken people, and makes them whole again. Jesus, say it with me, is worthy of our worship, yeah. Now, you're right. Some of you in here are right. The church has let you down. There are times and places, you bet, the church has failed. And there are some of you in here are saying, you don't know, I have some experiences where people who were Christian or call themselves Christian have failed me, and, and you're right. You're right, they have. And some of you in here have doubts that are really big doubts, and you have some questions that are some really big and good questions. And, and those matter, and I don't want you to say, I don't wanna stop asking those, but what I do wanna invite you into this is this, that Jesus is bigger and better than any of those things. And if you just are willing to, to listen, to, to maybe trust today that he is who he says he is, if you're willing to, to allow him to come and meet you in your head and in your heart, then I think you'll find something bigger and better than you could put into one answer, bigger and better than those situations or experiences you've had, I think you'll find something bigger and better. So the question again, what are we worshiping? I want you to think about all the things that you know people worship. So we listed some of them before, stuff, power, money, sexuality, selves, whatever. Do Worshiping any of those things, does that produce love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. When you go to the mall, do you feel any of those things? (laughs) But can I tell you, when you worship Jesus, that's exactly what you get. And so this invitation today is that maybe we could join together as a group of people in this room and just say, what if we worked really hard to worship him fully? You know, part of what makes Christmas meaningful is that, can I tell you, if you begin to worship him, stay with me on this, then all the rest of those things fall into place. The things we're gonna talk about the next few weeks, they all fall into place. And this is really where it hangs. If you're willing to worship him, then it's easy to spend less, it's easy to give more, it's easy to love all, because your worship is in the right place. So what does that mean for us today? Well, 
one of the things I just want to invite you into is, is evaluating. So in a minute, we're going to play a song, and, and I, when, I, when we do that, I, I want to just invite you to a time just to ask that question. What am I worshiping? But also, I think it means that we join with Jesus in the things he values and cares about, things like relationships, things like people over stuff, right? Caring about things, taking the time to actually spend time with people. And I think it's also about trying to fix the things that we see are broken in the world. So a couple suggestions. What does this look like? So some real, real tangible takeaways. One of the things you can do maybe this week is invite a friend over for coffee and just ask them how they're doing. In the midst of the busyness, and we understand for some people this season of the year is so difficult because of things they've gone through. Maybe they're missing loved ones, whatever else. Maybe just taking the time to value someone. And look, my house isn't clean either, okay? So I get it, right? But just have somebody over anyway, okay? And just say, just have that conversation. How are you doing? Just spend the time with somebody. Uh, maybe if you have kids, you can, while they're decorating, putting up the nativity, put stuff around the house, or maybe cleaning up the stuff they got out around the house, whatever it is, maybe you can have somebody read the Christmas story from Scripture and just, just spend some time together doing that. The third thing on here is uh, an interesting one. And believe it or not, the world will continue to exist if you take one night and unplug from technology and social media. You will be able to survive if you don't know what your friend had for dinner last night. It will be okay, okay? <laughs> I promise, okay? But here's the thing, and I'm not saying this not, not to brag in any way, or, but I'm just gonna tell you this. The, my family and I, for the last couple of years, have taken one night a week, and we have done this. We've unplugged everything. We've asked no social media, no technology. And sure, some weeks are better than others. Some weeks we, we're happy to do it. Some weeks we begrudgingly do it, and all that stuff is true. But here's what I can tell you that we found. When we do this, number one, we're way more present with one another. Like we actually pay attention. We spend more time at the dinner table actually talking because there's nowhere that we gotta go. There's no, nothing calling my name that I gotta get online and do. We, we sleep better and more on these nights. We actually go to bed earlier and we sleep better because we're not plugged into those things. So I just want to invite you to maybe, maybe sometime in the midst of the busyness of this season to maybe try this. And then the fourth one there, if you have a commute at all, maybe turn off the radio and just spend 10 minutes praising God. Just, God, thank you for all the things you have done. That's a way that we can worship him in a really tangible way. In just a minute, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to show you this video. As we walk into this, the video is just a kind of a, it's a song, so there are lyrics up there. You can, if you want to just read those lyrics as, as you hear the song, you can do that. Maybe where you are today is you want to spend a little time evaluating, just asking that question. What am I worshiping? Just pay attention to the things that get your, the best of you. Or maybe today during that time, maybe you really do recognize that Jesus is saying something to you that he wants a relationship with you. Maybe you just need to spend a little time opening your heart up to that. I don't know what it is, but I want to give you a little bit of time to reflect. And so as we do this uh, video, you can do that. Let me pray, and then we'll play this video. God, thank you for today, for your son, Jesus Christ, who is worthy of our worship. God, I, I pray that somehow in the midst of this talk, as much as we've talked about Jesus, that somehow you would help us to move beyond just knowing about you to really knowing you to this place where we want to give our worship to you and everything we do. We want to value the things you value. We want to care about people instead of stuff. We want to be present instead of busy. So invite us into that in this time. In Jesus' name.
Amen.